Here's what's coming up on today's show. So if the 2008 crash is a formative memory for you, you might live in fear of a catastrophic crash coming any day, also known as a black swan event. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hey, it's time for another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan, the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, based in the KC metro area, but serving clients all across the country. We're going to tap into Scott's two-plus decades of experience on today's show as we talk about the psychology of investing in the wake of historic market crash is we will call today's episode just simply crash course uh scott and i think this will be a good one to dive into with you because yeah uh, i think this is interesting how have we how do we handle money personally we can analyze that right our financial behaviors we can probably trace the reasons for those behaviors certainly not just to a singular event but market crashes are so big and so impactful that they probably do impact our psyche long-term in a, in a grand way when it comes to investing and savings. And so we're going to march through the decades and kind of look at some of the major crashes in our history and talk a little bit about how that might have shaped various generations and how they approach finances, money, from both uh, that macro view as well as our individual and personal finances. And your experience will come in handy here, Scott. Not that you were around for you know the Great Depression and uh, you know the World War II era and that kind of thing, but you've certainly worked with a lot of people who have touched these various generations and had parents in these different arenas. And so I know you can draw on a lot of stories, resources, and then on the more recent one's firsthand experience of marching people through some of these, you know, really tough days, weeks, and, and months. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the questions that we often ask you know, prospective families, uh, you know, what's your first memory of money? Hmm. And sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of go back through and, and think, when, when do you, when's the first time that you remember like money that, that had a, an important memory? And looking back, I'm very fortunate that my first memory, uh, I had a piggy bank. People today probably don't, a lot of younger people don't have piggy banks, obviously. Uh, <laughs> what's a piggy my, bank? Yeah. yeah, what's a piggy bank? Uh, but mine was a dark blue, and I believe it was made out of iron or steel, hollow, but it had a round plastic stopper that went in the bottom of it and had a little slot in the top. And it looked like a little pig. You know, and uh, I got that from my grandparents and, you know, putting coins inside there was my first real memory of money and saving money. And, you know, growing up, especially my, my parents and grandparents, you know, we didn't have a lot of conversations about money, um, but definitely my, my parents, uh, how they handled money, my grandparents, how they handled money. You know, polar opposite, definitely my grandparents. I had one set of grandparents that uh, were, were not savers. They were, you know, my grandfather's an entrepreneur, had six kids, and didn't save a lot. Uh, and then I had uh, another set of grandparents, one still with us, thankfully, just turned 99 uh, earlier this month. They didn't have to be huge savers because they, they had great pensions. Uh, but they were very conservative with the money that they had. And I remember they kept this little lockbox 
And in there were war bonds. And so they'd bought in war bonds and they'd come to maturity and they'd take those out, you know, go cash those. And today, you know, my grandfather's still with us. Everything's in the bank. Nothing, nothing's in the stock market. Everything's in the bank, you know? So growing up has a big effect on what you experience. And so, you know, thinking about the great depression was really 1929 to 1939. I dealt with a lot of folks in that generation, especially when I started, you know, over two decades ago, because I focused on that 65 plus market when I, when I got started, but people who lived through the great depression were oftentimes scarred for life in most cases. Cause so you think about stocks fell 90% during that era. 90. Now a lot of, 90. Now, a lot of people didn't have their financial future hanging on stocks. Let's, let's be realistic. Uh, but the effects of that were felt, you know, everywhere. The, the what could happen effect, right? Yeah. What, so it, it shakes the confidence and the underlying, the fabric, you know, of our, of our society. And so if that's your first memory of the stock market, you probably have had trouble trusting the market is a good place to invest. And early in my career, the amount of clients, because I was definitely very middle class, blue collar, uh, driving around uh, Riverside, North Kansas City, Missouri, uh, going door to you know house to house, you know pe- meet people in their homes. People had pensions, had Social Security, they had money in the bank, and they usually had CDs. Very, very few uh, had a lot of st- money in stocks, and it's because of that, because of how they grew up. Uh, so if you think about that period of time and you juxtapose that against the World War II era, that booming market, and that's really 1945 onward, if your formative memories include the market growing at a rate of more than 16% per year for a long, long time, you may have a more positive outlook on the markets because what a great time to start putting money away. Huge economic boom and expansion of the United States. Why? Post-World War II, we're part of the rebuilding effort. You've got a big boom in birth rate, people coming home, uh, job expansion, pensions, all those things. And uh, So you could, again, have a pretty decent feeling or experience in the stock market at that time. Interesting how just a couple of years leads to a totally different, <laughs> you know, shaping of a mentality, right? Uh, you live through the Great Depression one uh, decade, and then the next folks that are kind of coming up that might be at the same age as you were a decade before, totally different exposure and experience, and that maybe takeaways from those lessons. What about when we fast forward to something a little bit more maybe tangible and closer to uh, probably you know today's retirees? We get into like the late 70s and the early 80s. And I guess if we were categorizing this, maybe we put in right now into this yeah, category. Today, 2023. <laughs> we, uh, we must be talking about interest rates here. Yes. Yeah, so if your first exposure to the banking world included interest rates in the high teens, you might have trouble shaking the notion that the bank is the best place to keep most of your money. Now, our current period of inflation might be shaping the views of future investors as we speak, uh, because if someone looks at, hey, I can get a CD, 11 month CD for a little over 5%, why would I want to take on a bunch of risks to make six, seven or eight in the market? And so, you know, at that period of time, people took advantage. If you were a saver, 
those years were great because you got a great yield on your money with little inherent risk. If you were a borrower, it was more detrimental because you paid a much higher, steeper price to borrow money at that time. And so you have to look at both sides of that. So in today's world, if if you're retired and you are a saver, uh, it does make sense to have some money uh, in banking instruments like checking, savings, CDs. But again, where we are today, are we going to continue these higher interest rates? Who knows? We're going to see what the Fed does. In the perfect world, they would want to back off rate hikes and cool that off a little bit uh, because what they really would like is you know, money to flow into the markets because the markets money flows there fuels expansion fuels businesses. And so again, it take advantage of it for what it's worth. Um, but I would be cautious to say this is the answer to all the money you need for retirement because with even with interest rates being much higher than they've been in their recent future, uh, it's still not going to keep up potentially with long term inflation and taxes. We can uh, kind of flip-flop back and forth a little bit here because as we sort of march through history, we're going to have multiple crashes, multiple uh, shakeups in the financial landscape. And uh, let's focus on 1987, and in particular, October of that year. We had Black Monday. And this uh, does this stick out in a lot of people's minds that you're meeting with these days? Definitely, uh, especially if slightly older or you know had resources that were in the market. So we're talking about... Black Monday, October 19th, 1987. And so the stock market experienced a sudden and dramatic drop. Uh, And I believe the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 22.6% in a single day. 22.6. Not as bad as the 90% in... uh uh, that, that we saw during the Great Depression time frame, but a lot more people in the market, as you had kind of mentioned earlier in the show, not a lot of exposure, a different story when we get into the 80s, right? Completely different story. And that 22.6 in a single day, I mean, that's you know, that type of fall was just cataclysmic at that time. And, you know, this crash could have definitely left, left a lasting impression on those who were investing or paying attention to the financial news at the time. So as a result of the crash, some people who live through it may develop more of a cautious and risk-averse approach to investing. Because uh, I've heard people say, after that point, they were just kind of shell-shocked, and they just were ultra-conservative going forward. Other people say, you know what? It was awful, but we, we kept discipline. We kept on the path, and markets go up, markets go down. Eventually, they were rewarded for staying the course. And so, but that's a... It's less and less in today's world, uh, but it, early in my career, a lot of people talked about 87 and how awful it was. I can imagine just how shaking uh, that could be to somebody's foundation to have that big of a drop in one day. Uh, the entire market, we're not talking just a couple of stocks or a single stock, just the whole market, boom. Yeah, so amazing to no, see definitely. something like that. Uh, what about the dot-com crash as we hit the 2000s and really start to get more recent? That dot com, you know, 2000 crash. So I was living in Seattle, Washington at the time. And so I was in the heart of the dot com world. And I was worked for a computer training company that would uh, train people on how to use a lot of Microsoft things. And uh, those, so right before I made a transition into financial services, and we would go to these 
businesses and it was crazy how opulent the offices were uh, just beautiful offices money flowing everywhere and you're like but these places aren't making any money what is this gonna end sometime well yes it will <laughs> and that's you know that dot-com crash was definitely a significant event in the history of the stock market uh, with the NASDAQ composite index falling nearly 80% from its peak in March 2000 to its low in uh, October 2002. And so it was very lo long drawn down. And I, I started my career uh, in the middle of that. And many investors lost significant amounts of money and companies went bankrupt. And I can tell you, some people are still wary of tech stocks because of what happened over 20 years ago. Wow. And again, it's, it's, it's not what happens and you know, everybody knows that's not what happens to us. It's how we react and internalize what happens to us. And that's true of stock market. That's true of anything that happens in our life. But that dot com crash, it definitely took a sector of the population and made them say, Nope, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to ever experience this ever again. And so they, they become more conservative in their investment strategy uh, or just avoid it altogether. So yeah, it can have a, has had a lasting effect on some people, definitely in our society. And, and still an impact today, uh, even in that sector of, of tech, just people very, very wary. I was still a little too young, just just a, just a bit too young when the dot-com crash happened to really have it sink in um, all that much. Um, but when we get to the Great Recession of 08, that's the one that's probably most formative for me. Uh, I was graduating college in 09. And so that whole last year of college leading into this, you know, you're coming into this world where it's like the worst hiring market of all time <laughs> it was, yes. you know, very shaky foundation um, entering the real world. And so that was very formative to me, not only from a stock perspective, but the overall economy. And I know that one impacts everybody uh, probably across the board, no matter how old you were. Uh, but that's the one that really kind of sticks out for me. And uh, de and definitely that's, you know, probably halfway, a little less than halfway through my career, that period of economic downturn began with the housing bubble burst in the U.S. in 2008, and that lasted until 2009, around March, April 2009. And it definitely had a profound effect on the global economy and could have influenced the financial behaviors of those who were impacted by job loss, home foreclosures, or other consequences of the recession. So if the 2008 crash is a formative memory for you, you might live in fear of a catastrophic crash coming any day, also known as a black swan event. And we don't hear about it as much. We have people talking about it. And when I bring it up and say, well, do you remember 2008, 2009? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, but it's not talked about as much because what we've had happen in 2020 and 2022, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but since, you know, that 2009 era, the market kind of took another great ride. And then coming to the pandemic, things were extremely strong uh, economically and market wise. And then the pandemic happened and then a big, big adjustment, big reset happened for sure. Yeah, I think I feel like my the, just thinking about that one personally, I feel like I, I keep maybe a bigger buffer 
Um, Maybe that's the effect that it's had on me over the years as I try to keep a bigger buffer, maybe a a quicker trigger on wanting to exit or flee to safety in various ways, just kind of more cognizant of and and that concern you mentioned in the back of your mind of just, oh, there, there could be a big one and just how long it felt like it took to recover from that one. Unlike the next one we're going to talk about, <laughs> which was more of a whiplash drop and re- than incredible recovery, very different than the 08 feel. Uh, we get to the COVID-19 market crash of 2020, and that one was uh, a pretty wild ride, wasn't it, Scott? Yeah, <laughs> wild. And I think, you know, we had a lot of, of things to be concerned about. You know, our we didn't know how serious this was going to be. We didn't know what the fallout was going to be. So a lot of uncertainty uh, rolling into that, you know, March 2020. And, you know, investors reacted to the uncertainty and disruption caused by the pandemic. Uh, I will say that very fortunate that we had conversations with our clients and we did not have anyone panic. And that the government came out, obviously, with a stimulus package uh, to stimulate the economy. And it, it did work. Within four and a half months of the the big move down, uh, we ended 2020 with a positive year uh, market-wise, which is crazy to think about. But again, why was that? It's a lot of money got deposited into bank accounts. A lot of money got gave you know put into businesses to keep people employed. Uh, and you go through 2021. And then things start to slow down a little bit and kind of the chickens come home to roost. And that's what we've been dealing with 2022 into 2023 because uh, you had that large expansion of the monetary supply, dollars flooding in everywhere, and it it heated things up too much. And the Fed has been raising interest rates to try to cool it off, uh, cool it off in a way that doesn't crash it. And so we're just kind of languishing right now. Uh, we're seeing inflation, obviously, because of the interest rates going up. You know, that's why you can have a, you know, three and a half, four percent savings account, a five percent CD, um, you know, for eleven or twelve months, because of that inflationary situation. Now, do I know when we're going to come out of this? No, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know when exactly it's going to happen. But if I look at the list in front of me. Uh, from 1929 to 1945, 70s, 80s, 87, 2000, 2008, 2020, 2020, uh, it's cycles. And what you, what I take away from this is these cycles are coming a little bit quicker and they're more severe potentially, uh, but the rebound tends to be a little bit quicker with what we've gone through in 2022, now to 2023. There's going to be at some point when we turn the corner and we go back the other way. And so people that have investment discipline stay the course. They get rewarded for their longevity and their persistence in the market. Um, But that's not to say it's not uncomfortable at some points. Uh, Very uncomfortable. Uh, It starts to shake your belief and optimism sometimes. Uh, But you always have to think about, have we been through awful times before? And the answer is yes, because we just went through a lot of them. We went through some awful times in our country, in our world. And I'm a big believer that 
we need to have a bigger future than our past. And I'm an optimist and I would, I want things to be better. I just know that it's not going to be a straight line. Sometimes it's choppy. Sometimes it's a roller coaster ride and that's what we're seeing right now, but there will be better times ahead. And that's what we stay on track. Make sure our plan is, you know, flexible enough to meander through the things that are going on and focus on what is important. And then we'll be ready to take advantage of when things are better, uh, when that time comes. Good perspective on all of that, Scott. And there you have it. Really, no matter what your takeaways are from these different life events, I think that's the beauty here, whether you were really shaped from your approach to investing and saving from something like Black Monday or the Great Recession or even more recently the COVID-19 crash, or maybe all of these have had an impact and you emotionally kind of bounce around depending on what the most recent one was is your most formative uh, memory or uh, the thing that kind of directs your behavior a little bit. The good news is no matter kind of how you were impacted by these things, there are ways to then plan so that you can counter those concerns and have more confidence in your plan moving forward. Uh, but it takes proper planning. you got to get a written plan, something that is concrete and shows that path ahead. And that's something that you can do with Scott and the team. And you can get in touch very easily uh, with your retirement elevated and uh, Scott. And uh, it's all through the phone. Uh, if you want to pick it up and give them a call at 913 913- 393-4724. That's the number to get in touch. Or online at listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Touch base with the Elevated Retirement Group team, and they'll help make sure that you are well prepared for retirement and your financial future. Again, go to listentoscott.com or call 913-393-4724 to get in touch. Scott, that'll wrap things up for today's episode. Thanks for all your help, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. All right, very good. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter. We'll see you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.